Do I ask myself hypothetical questions all the time? Agrees, 100%. Straight up bent over 90 degrees, like, I'm gonna explode out of every hole in my body. I mean, it's bad. Just accept it. It's never going away. There's never a reason. It just, you just start to hurt. At 30, you just start to With that, we are underway here at the Dummy Run Podcast, a Minnesota United leaning MLS podcast that may mention the USL from time to time. I'm Alistair Kraken. He's Grant Hershberger, aka the man from Deer Hill, aka the birthday boy. 29, you're approaching 30. We'll welcome you when you get here. You had the pleasure of watching Minnesota United get three points at Allianz Field on your birthday with your lovely wife. Anything better? Anything better in the world? Really nothing. Really nothing. And not just that. I got to watch it with my beautiful wife. Got to watch it on a wonderful night. Got to watch a come-behind victory for the Loons with two of my guilty pleasure favorite players, Chase Gasper and Robin Lude, scoring the game-winning goals, which you can't make up, right? Like, you can't just script that enough. Two of the my favorite players to defend who get much maligned uh, it was fantastic. It was beautiful. Alex, how was the wedding you were at? Was it good? <laughs> and tell it was, me, hey, tell it me. was a great wedding. But first of did all, they it ha- was, did they have good dinner? It was a beautiful wedding. I had the okay. farmhouse chicken. It was, it was, you know, it was supple. Uh, it was not overcooked with a nice, a nice side of potatoes and, um, you know. Answer me this. Yep. Did you have any wedding day regret for your meal choice? No, sometimes no I'll meal choose- choice. I, okay, okay sometimes I'll choose the day like months before, and I'm like, oh, I sure. really want the chicken. Sure. And then you get there, and you're like, oh, the seafood looks really good. Oh, that's fair. No, I was, I had no confusion about myself being a fringe invite for sure. I'm definitely <laughs> the one that was on the invite list where they're like, God, this mother, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> this the friend, guy. I'm, I'm the spouse, <laughs> or not, not the spouse, but I'm the boyfriend of a close friend. That they had to invite. So I told my girlfriend, I said, hey, I, I know my place in this world. You get me whatever's cheapest, and I'm going to drink the cheapest beer all night because I'm just, I'm not here. I'm just here as a spectator. I appreciate the invite. It was a gorgeous wedding. Uh, we had a blast. The music was great. Um, it was at the Hutton House out in, I don't know, somewhere, not Minneapolis. Uh, it was a beautiful night. I told my girlfriend I would not watch the game on my phone, which I didn't. Uh, we never clarified if I could check the scores, though. So I was refreshing my screen pretty often, and I do. You have don't to want say, to be the fringe guy who's also on his phone the whole time. Like, is that dude watching Netflix right now? What, you what's don't want he to watching? be is the fringe guy who gets like too drunk and tries to make a speech or like decides to, like propose to his girlfriend at your wedding, which I did <laughs> not do. I successfully avoided both those downfalls. Oh good. Uh, but I was I was checking the scores and I have to say when I saw we were down one and we pulled out Adrian Unu and uh, we pulled out Nico Hansen, I was not feeling super confident. So to see that we came back in the end uh, really elevated my night um, to, to, to another level um, as opposed to what was already a great night with my my lovely girlfriend at a, at a beautiful wedding. It's funny that you mentioned that because um, I was about 24. Coors Lights deep at that point, and I was supremely confident. You can ask Hannah, um, who's not on Twitter, so it's very convenient for my storytelling purposes, but this is true. I was like, 
We are absolutely going to win this game. It is my birthday, and I know they'll win, which is like the absolute intoxicated level of confidence that you want to see out of you know a fan base, right? So I was clapping, I was chanting, I was really pumped up. And after Chase Gasper scored the tying goal, and I know we'll address this briefly, but uh, I was like, Robin's going to win it for me. Like, there's no better person to win the game for my birthday than the one and only Robin Lude, which turned out pretty well. Turned out like a pretty good, pretty good, uh, you know, I, you know, it was late in the game, right? I mean, there's a lot of things we got to talk about. You got something on your mind. Let's hear it. There's a lot of things we got to talk about. I got notes. We're going to walk through this game, but I do want to start by saying I did also sneak a few texts into you or Twitter because yep. we still talk on Twitter for some reason. And you at eight at eight oh three p.m. You said Lude is going to get one. So I don't say it one more time for the people. I don't want to give you credit. Everyone who listens to the pod knows I avoid giving you credit whenever possible. But you did call it. Agreed, one hundred percent. There it is. All right, there with it that, is. Let's dive right in. So let's hear it. Let's hear the, off, the recap. The lineup. How are you feeling about the lineup? We got Debassi in, Coleman still there. Metinair is back. He starts right away. We had talked about maybe match fitness wasn't going to be there right away. Metinair and he plays the full 90. Did that surprise you? Uh, it it surprised me a little bit, but I gambled. I wore my uh, Metinair the Machine t-shirt, assuming that he would start. And um, I actually was a little bit surprised, truthfully. He played out of his mind. I mean, he was exactly the Roman Metinair we were expecting. Uh, you um, posted on Twitter a couple of clips of him trapping the ball, one touching it. He has not lost a step at all. I mean, I know we saw his form dip a little bit after AFCON in 2019 and a little bit during the MLS's back tournament. He has been so good lately. And it's just a massive impact offensively and defensively. And that's no insult to DJ Taylor. DJ Taylor is a really, really good player and a great prospect for our team. But Metinier is still that dude. Like, he is that dude. Uh, have you been able to go back and watch the whole game, I'm assuming? I did, yep. I sat down yesterday and we watched it again. And, yeah, I mean, I think I think that our conversation around whether or not Metinair would start got confused with whether or not DJ Taylor took over the starting spot. Neither of us were ever saying DJ Taylor took over the starting spot. But when you don't play an actual soccer match, I mean, soccer is such a physically demanding sport. If you're not actually playing the match itself... There's very little you can do to get match fit. Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy to me that he ran in, he came in after being gone for whatever he decided it was, a month, and played the full 90 and was not, you never noticed him being one of the tired people. Um, He's I mean, the machine, baby. The machine. Your shirt says it all. Who is, is your shirt from? It's from uh, Soda Stick. So if you want to sponsor us, Soda Stick, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Uh, and they've got a couple of other loons things, not as many as I'd like, and they're still kind of behind the curve. So I think they still have like a Darwin Quintero thing and a couple of their older things. But um, they've got some cool Metnir stickers and T-shirts and whatnot. So check them out. They got some cool stuff. They got a nice Wonderwall T-shirt and hat and sticker. I got the sticker. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've, they're one of like the Minnesota clothing brands that I've kind of like, you know, adjacent followed, or I guess I follow them and kind of like keep them along. And they always kind of dip their toe into Minnesota United stuff. Um, 
go check them out. I, you can kind of tell they're not probably the the most diehard fans because to your point, they're always like a little on the fringe in terms of like up and coming people. Uh, they're like, the machine- you guys hear this guy Vadim Demidov? <laughs> gonna be check huge. it out <laughs> yo uh, Ico Parra's on our yeah, next t-shirt exactly, like exactly. Oh, okay yeah. but that that shirt is cool um i think <laughs> i actually there's like mn brand is a, t- is a t-shirt um and they made a loon shirt that was just a loon in the water and i used to wear it to matches and now since then they've added a little wonderwall scarf over it which mm. i take full credit for because that's the type of person i am that's so, totally you it's i was also repping my um merit my Biradana hat with uh talisman yep shout talisman, talisman caps yep and shout out. what was hannah wearing hannah was wearing a hat too hannah was wearing a minnesota united baseball cap but it was khaki uh, wasn't it it's a gray it's kind of a oh, gray, gray okay almost like a t-shirt material it's a very interesting hat material but it's cool it's very cool and then she was wearing the robin lude river kit mm. which every time hannah wears the robin lude river kit robin lude scores a goal Four out of four times she's worn it, he scored a goal. So now she has to wear it every right. game. That's kind of just, you know, that's how the rule goes. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. So, you know, we got to roll with this thing. I mean, it seems selfish not to at this point. So, Alex, talk to me about you're at this wedding. You're checking the score. And Supposedly. right off the bat, what would you say? Supposedly I'm checking the Supposedly, score. Supposedly, right, Supposedly. Right off the bat, we go down 10 minutes in with actually kind of a good header by uh, Mora on the Timbers. Did you see that right away, or did were you kind of in between the Cupid Shuffle and, you know, Bye 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 by NSYNC or whatever they're playing at weddings nowadays? When was the last time you had a wedding, dude? Like, didn't you just have a wedding? Uh, Yeah, but, like, we didn't have a reception because it was COVID. We're going to have oh, one in November. Okay. Okay, so is bye 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 not a thing anymore? Scene. That's just like a, that's fun. Well, one, I don't right? want to deviate. No one came here to listen to what the DJ was playing at the wedding I was at in the weekend. No, but we do want to hear if they weird, had some bangers. Really cool kind of hybrid between there was like a DJ, but then he had a brass band behind him, so he'd Whoa. play like September just like the DJ mix. But then when like the chorus hit, the the brass band would actually start playing as well. It was pretty rad. Uh, but did they play Uptown Funk? They did play up top. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah they of did. Of course, there they we did. go. Of course, uh, it's a wedding. What are you talking it was, about? It was really interesting to see the 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 two different stories of. I'm actually kind of glad it worked out this way, because when you watched when you were watching the score ticker on your phone and it was like Portland Timbers goal and nothing else for the you know silence. Portland Timbers goal. You told me Chase Gasper had a huge defensive error, and then we get into halftime. You're like. Dude, we're getting, you know, we're getting beat at home against Portland Timber. And then on Sunday, rewatching the match, you realize, like, first off, the Felipe Mora goal was a great goal, kind of almost almost no notes, really. Like, great job, you beat us. And we had so many chances. And so when you rewatch the game, as opposed to actually just seeing the, the kind of scoring happen, you realize, like, we were in control the whole time. They just got one. I mean, I think that was and going into the half. I believe that they had one shot on goal and one goal. Like they scored on their only shot on goal. So it was a very t- kind of two different experiences watching it and seeing the the scores. I mean, you got to remember how many blue mountains I observed before the game. Uh, I was viewing all of the blue mountains in my landscape. Um, 
And so, yeah, I was a little passionate. I, I'm a Chase Gasper backer normally, but in the moment, I felt like he didn't play against, uh, I'm forgetting who it was. It wasn't Felipe Mora because he was lined up against the center back, but he didn't he didn't play the pass strong enough. Looking back, it's one of those goals that you really can't be that mad about. You know, it, it happens. It was a really good pass, and it was a really good header, and Miller almost had a hand on it, but didn't, you know? And you just, you can't be too mad about those. Those aren't yeah. ones where you're like, oh, man, you totally should have had that. That was a very good header. So I'm willing to let that one go. I thought overall, I mean, for those of you who follow me um, on Twitter, I posted the the shot map. We just peppered them. Like, we should have had at least three or four goals. Yeah. And we just were not putting them in. The team looked really kind of listless in the first half. Well, yeah, but let's, let's um, slow down here. Okay, so we talked about the back four. Rentonaire comes in seamless. Dotson and Will Trap again. I think last week you and I both agreed that that's kind of becoming our favorite combo. We see him again and again. I mean, Dotson especially, he is playing the best soccer we've ever seen him play for Minnesota United. And that is saying something because he has been good almost since he's come into the team. And the rate that he's playing at right now, I mean, he not... Not to pick on Jan Gregush, but I'm going to use Jan Gregush as the benchmark here. He's offering more in the offensive half and more in the defensive half than I think Jan Gregush has offered even in his best times with us. Am I crazy? I'm nodding emphatically. Oh, yeah. It was always going to happen. You know, the second we finally let Hassani Dotson grow in a single role, he wasn't ever going to be our starting left back or starting right back. He was. He's meant to be a box-to-box midfielder. That's his best contribution. And we can see him growing in that role now that we have, you know, a backup left back and a backup right back. Uh, He doesn't have to hop into those spots anymore. He can just focus on being the best central midfielder. And I think he's really taken that role to heart. You know, it looks like he is incredibly comfortable there. He's just a wrecking ball on both ends. So, uh, yeah, I, I really like what I'm seeing out of Dotson. And Trap has really, I don't know, he's just endeared himself to me in that spot. As, you know, he's not an Aussie, he's not a destroyer, but he is somebody who will very quickly turn, you know, an offensive threat from the other team into, you know, clear the ball out, pass it out to a dangerous outlet on our team. Now we're on offense. So yeah. he's definitely not the defensive threat that Ozzy is or not not I guess not threat like the defensive asset that Ozzy is um, which I think even he would probably admit that uh, but he's also not like a liability right? I mean who he, is right who, that's like true, realistically right? he's not a liability though he's you you can count on him to to clean up the things he should maybe things happen where he could have done a little better like that goal against uh, whoever it was San Jose I think where we, we talked about he maybe he could have come back a little quicker but there was also things that happened uh, but the way, yeah, his his vision to 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 take kind of like the next pass, not just like the first pass that's easy, but like beating a man with his pass, and also now we're in space going forward, is just something that we've you know we we haven't had in that position before. 
Um, and I do think that there are, I, you know, we'll get into it. I think next game might be a game where I think Ozzy is more appropriate because, you know, LAFC is going to have a lot of, of offensive threat, not as much defensively. So if we can lock down the defense a little more with Ozzy versus Will Trap, maybe that sets us up a little better, yada, yada, yada. But any game that Will Trap is in, he's made himself very evident. And I think that early on, you and I talked about we were having a hard time kind of seeing it. Not like we thought he wasn't doing well, but like, the the attributions he was making to the game weren't very evident and i think that the game that he was out is when it really opened my eyes at least to all the things that he does that maybe don't jump out on the score sheet yeah i mean if if you're talking about pure defensive number six like you know the pure defensive midfielders you've got ozzy alonso diego chara and then like atuesta from lafc and those are the premier players and you're not going to replace those players easily. Like, just, you're not. It's not going to happen. So Will Trap is a different, but I think equally valuable piece in that puzzle. And and I think it took a lot of people, myself included, yourself included, to realize that while he's not bringing the same defensive acumen to the team, he's bringing a, you know, to steal it right out of football manager, if you guys play that game, uh, he he plays a deep-lying playmaker. You know, he's somebody who will get a pass to the important person. He'll make a safe pass, a smart pass. It's not always the sexy Reynoso pass, but that's okay. You know, you don't expect Will Trap to do that. You expect him to get it to the right person who will then put it up to another dangerous person. So um, I really like what he brings to the team. I also think... It is very impressive how this team has responded to the loss of not only Ike Opara, but also Michael Boxall and not having Ozzy Alonso in the lineup. And yet, we're still defending at a pretty good rate. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we're not like bleeding goals by any means. Yeah. Um, something. What, what would you attribute that to? Yeah. I mean, something I was kind of had on my notes for later in the match, but it seems more appropriate now. I mean, we all know what. What Wilmer Mettenera is, right? He was the MLS All-Star. He, he's had his dips after AFCON, like you said. But for the most part, we know Roman Mettenera is the dude. Michael Boxall, underrated from a league standpoint. But in within Minnesota walls, like everyone knows what Michael Boxall is. Chase Gasper, some people have split opinions on him. But like you can't deny that he has held his position for, for whatever it is now, three years. And he's gotten better and he's fixed some of his stuff. But like Baki Dabasi... I think you and I, we've talked about Baki Debasi, but probably not enough. Like, that dude is massive. The The way that he played against Rui Diaz, and when you watch this match too, the way that he steps to plays, and, and it's almost like he's not making the highlight reel because he snuffs out plays before they ever have a chance to get on the highlight reel. Like, he is just always there. He never puts a foot wrong. He offers a lot offensively. Some of his through balls and things that we talked about last week with, with Adriana New getting that ball right into the box. Like, Baki Debasi has been such a huge signing for us. And I don't think that any of us have really given it enough credit. From the time that he got signed as like this League 2 French defender, he kind of comes in, he's playing well, but like he's never really gotten the spotlight the way that I feel like he deserves to get the spotlight because... He has been almost perfect from the moment he stepped on the field for us. It's funny because Cal Williams called it out right away. 
like I remember when we picked him up, I was like, cool, great. It's a backup for Chase, yeah. I guess. Okay, cool. And Cal, Cal Williams was like immediately, this dude did not come to just ride the pine. He, he is a quality, high-level player who's going to bring immediate benefit to the team. And we were all like, oh, what are you talking about? Because what, he was like a 31-year-old defender from League 2 in France. You're like, okay, no, I guess it so. was Ligue 1, I think. I mean, I, I think they were in League 2 but when when they signed him. You mean League 2? Well, sure. <laughs> Come on, League 2. You'd get kicked out of whatever cafe you're in if you were in Paris, sure. man. Come on. I'll take my baguette with me, though. Yeah. Give me a beignet to go. <laughs> uh anyways yeah no so like nobody expected it like i definitely didn't i will totally say i thought he was gonna be a probably solid bench warmer a good depth piece and he has been an absolute impact player for this team i mean i don't think there's a single player you can point to besides maybe metonier and say you are also to credit for the defensive structure after Icopara left because we only had Icopara for one year and all of a sudden 2020 rolls around and we still played pretty good defensively we actually let up less goals per game in 2020 than we did in 2019 without Icopara yeah yeah and I, I was looking that up when you were talking they were in league in when we signed them um, they played in league de uh, from 16 to 17, but then 17 to 18, 18 to 19, and 19 to 20, they were in the League One, or in League One. So um, I guess that makes it a little more impressive. But at the same time, when, either way, whatever the case, when when we signed him, for some reason it just didn't feel as like, maybe it just wasn't the buildup like we see with some people where the rumors start swirling and you're like, ooh, are we going to get him? Aren't we going to get him? It was kind of just one of those, like on a Tuesday, we just hear like, oh, we signed this new French defender. Okay, cool. I don't know. Did that, is that how you felt, or was I maybe just a, an outlier in that? Um, so the first thing I thought was that he's a French defender from Amiens, which when I studied abroad, we visited Amiens, oh, God. France. You're one no, of those. I know, I know. Oh, you're one of those. Well, well, yeah. I studied abroad, so I'm pretty Yeah, cultured. so when we were in Amiens, uh, my friend Mark and I went to go find food, and because we're Americans, we saw a pizza joint, and we were like, let's go you know, get some pizza at the pizza joint, right? So they saw us come in. We started talking English because we're ignorant Americans and all we speak is English. You know, I, I don't speak French. I speak very little Spanish. Doesn't help me in France. And they're like, oh, you want pizza? And we were like, yeah, we want pizza. And they were like, we'll give you American pizza. And we were like, great. Oh, God. We would like right away, American pizza. That's got to be a red flag. So we got buy one, get one pizza. Uh, which I don't think it's normally buy one, get one. I think they were offloading this onto us. Well, they just know Americans love a deal, too. They're like, <laughs> just say it's buy one, get one, and charge them twice as much. They won't know the difference. So they gave us American pizza. And I mean that in, like, quotation marks. Like, that's what they like, called it. Was, it's like, have a gun on it? No, it was a cheeseburger pizza. <laughs> and of course it I'm was. not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. It was cheeseburger with french fries on top. I immediately got food poisoning to the point where, like, we're walking back to our school hostel place, and I'm straight up bent over 90 degrees, like, I'm going to explode out of every hole in my body. I mean, it was bad. It was the real American bad. The American dream, baby. It was the American dream. 
I don't know if it was revenge for something or just some weird, I, I don't know what it was. But well, I'm sure you deserved it, whatever the case. My big memory of Amiens is going back to our hostel and laying down and not getting horizontal, or excuse me, not getting vertical for like three hours. It was bad. It was real bad. Oh, I love, I love every, I love That's, every second. It, of that it was story. called. By the way, I'll never forget. It was called Speedy Rabbit Pizza. Ah, well, it was Rabbit. speedy in some ways. A lot of things were speeding. <laughs> not, wasn't the food, I'll tell you that much. So anyways, anyways, Let's I was not expecting, a... yeah, I was not expecting Debasi to be no. that good. No, he I don't think anyone was. I don't know how you could. Surprised all of us. And the fact that he's so versatile and just instantly situationally aware. I think being paired in a center back uh, pairing, you kind of have to gel with those players and the fact that Debasi has been able to gel with multiple players is equally mm-hmm. admirable to Michael Boxall. You know, mm-hmm. being able to work with Aha or Coleman or Debasi or Opara or whoever he's been paired next to. Yep. Yep. Let's keep going with the lineup. The front four mm-hmm. is three of the people we'd expect, but starting on Saturday morning, we started hearing rumors from uh, Minnesota Starting Eleven and Minnesota Fan Page on Instagram that uh, Franco Fragapani picked up an injury, which may keep him out for about over a month. It sounds like maybe. Um, since then, well, for, first off, he didn't. He obviously didn't start. Nico Hansen started in his place, and since then, we have heard from more. Uh, I'll say official sources, not like reputable sources. I don't know. I can't think of any time that Minnesota's 11 has been wrong on anything, like grossly wrong. So I'll say more official sources that he is indeed out and it may indeed be a month. Uh, On a scale of big deal, little deal, no deal, how concerned are you on that Fregapane news? Not concerned, just confused. Because like Mm. you and I messaged earlier... Um, you would assume this would be something that they would kind of mention, you know, as uh, the pregame injury report or something like that. I I understand um, that word has it that they were kind of waiting for, you know, the official report and whatnot. Um, But it just seems strange. Like, all of it seems weird. Like, very coincidental timing where, oh, oh, we're playing Portland, and of course he's out all of a sudden. But why would he be out for multiple weeks if if it's you know for a specific Portland reason that we all understand right. you know well he, why he, he wasn't out. listed on the injury report that came out mm-hmm. on Friday or whatever it was so if any if any injury really did happen either was they didn't list him because they were waiting to see if it was actually bad or it happened on Friday which I would have to assume is basically just a walkthrough right like you're not going out the day before a match and like doing anything super aggressive I wouldn't think. I, all I'm going to say, Alex, is on Saturday, July 24th, I turned 29, and uh, on Sunday, July 25th, I had the worst back pain of my life for no reason. No, I, I can't think of a single reason, but I could not lift my right arm above my shoulder without significant pain. Listen, so you know buddy. what? You're you're talking oh. to like a someone who's on the, on the cusp of 31, and I just I'm gonna tell you right now, just accept it. It's never going away. There's never a reason. 
it just you just start to hurt at 30 you just start to hurt and it's it's your shoulder it's your back just get a thing of tiger balm and just rub it all over your body every morning and it'll be manageable I didn't know if that was a metaphor for aging or a metaphor for Adrian Heath, but uh, it it always hurts. It's never going away. It's always going to be aching. Just get Tiger Balm and run it run it all over your body. We're not Heath Balm also does a pretty good job of keeping strangers away. So it really is like a it's a double purpose uh, ointment for sure. All I'm saying is, you know, maybe Franco just had one of those weird stingers that just hurts. You know. We'll see. we'll see. It is weird. the the layer the the in, the late injury on layered on with like the we already were questioning whether or not Fragapane was going to play. It all seems very strange. It does seem weird. They would say a month when if they were just like you know fake if, if they were going to just like skip him for that game, they'd just be like, oh, we picked up a knock. We're hoping he's be back next week. You know, and they would just move or even on. like two weeks. You know, right. Plausible deniability. They don't, they don't deniability. care what we think. Like even if we're all like, oh, that was obviously a lie. They don't care. They wouldn't say like yeah. a month. So it will be interesting. And I, I heard someone say, it might have actually been you, that you said it was similar to the Nico Hansen injury. Was that something you yeah, heard somewhere? They, they, yeah, they had said something. I think Adrian mentioned it in the post-game report that it was a similar injury to Nico Hansen's, which I believe was a groin injury, mm-hmm. I think. So, you know, those things can just happen. You know, they don't feel great. They definitely hurt your uh, running ability. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. I think overall, and I don't say this in a sarcastic or bad way, but like the team doesn't care about our opinions. And that's fine. It's a sports team. They want to win. Right. Franco Fragapane is far and away their top three best player. No, no doubt, no argument, period. So if they were like, quote unquote hiding him from the Portland Timbers game, they would maybe eat the LAFC and Vancouver game and then put him in after that week and be like, oh, he's better after a week. There's no way they would fake a four to five week injury and be like, oh, that's what, like, it's just not going to happen. So I think it's real. I think it's real. Yeah. I would even go further than that. I, yeah, to your point, like, I mean, Heath has made it very clear over the last several weeks, almost especially, that he, the Wonderwall means everything to, to him and this club. And I think he's done a really great job saying, like, these are the people you play for. And, like, these are the people who work all week and spend their money to be at that game. And I know people personally who spend money that they just barely have to spend on this. I mean, this is not all people with disposable income who are just showing up because it seemed like a fun thing to do that day. There are some people who spend they're like very last pennies because soccer is an important thing in their life and they show up. And when you have people out there on the field who are not taking it seriously, it means a lot to them. And I think there's that sense where it's like you show up and you play for the fans because you are lucky to have these fans. But there's also a sense where it's like, yeah, Adrian Heath is not like, oh, well, if we only set out Fragapane for one week, uh, Dummy Run Podcast is going to see right through that and they're going to call us out like, now, if, if anything, if he shows up next week, I'm going to say, okay, everything last week was probably a lie, and they just wanted to sit him down for the Portland match, which is totally fine by me. But they're not I mean, going to sit him for stop. multiple games just so that like people don't see through their lie. They don't care that much. They did stop playing Robin on the left because you and I kept harassing him about it. I mean, that is true. That's verifiable. I mean, we really did. We really, we got on that one, though. So 
It's like the uh, Michael Scott, like, you cheated on me when I asked you specifically not to. It's the, <laughs> yeah. you, you played Robin Luda on the left when I specifically asked you not to. Exactly. So anyways, have we even made it out of the starting lineups? Nope. That was okay, it. Let's, let's, okay, let's get out of there. Let's, we got Unu at top, Robin Luda on the right, Nico Hansen on the left, Reynoso at the 10. Beautiful. Love that. Did you see the lineup? like real time or did you see it later in the in the wedding when you were you know in between uh uh happy by pharrell and whatever other uh, justin timberlake song they're playing at weddings nowadays yes so like you said or like i said rather uh i was at a wedding trying to be like polite uh speaking of polite i brought a koozie because i just bring a koozie everywhere in the summer because it keeps my beer cold and it's fashionable uh before i pulled it out of my pocket i asked my girlfriend is it trashy to put a koozie in my beer? And everyone I was standing with at the same time said, yes, absolutely. So apparently I don't know what's classy because I thought there was nothing wrong with the koozie. It's functional. It's, it keeps your beer cold. It's delicious. We have, I, have my, I have my T&E branded one, so it was like kind of a fun match day thing. But if anyone listens out there, that- if you're thinking about bringing a koozie to a wedding, the resounding opinion is don't do it. Which is funny because... I'm going to give you credit for a second and and be on your side, which I rarely do. But, like, using a koozie is essentially saying, I'm going to slowly drink my beer and enjoy it, and I would like it to be at a cold temperature. And to not use a koozie is how Grant Hirschberger uses his beers, which is, I'm going to drink this, and it won't get cold before I finish it because I'm going to chug this mother. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, essentially, the koozie is saying, I would like to drink slowly and respectfully. And yet, it's not classy, mm-hmm. which I disagree with. So despite them, I just hammered if you use like a Yeti, Yeah, well, you, you're just like, I'm going to yeah. shotgun I'll every one of these. You're not going to let me use a koozie? All right. Joke's on you, folks. No, but like I was saying, before what do they I know? got sidetracked on my koozie debate... Uh, I was checking. Wait, drop in the comments. Drop in the comments. Do you think using a koozie is trashy or classy? Is using a koozie at a wedding acceptable? Yes or no? Please hit us. Those up. Those are different questions, but that's well. Fair. That was my Go question: ahead. Is using a koozie yeah. at a wedding? Answer Alex's. Yeah. Skip mine. Okay. <laughs> Either way, I had heard. I mean, again, we talked about the the Franco Fragapani rumors. What are you, you going to use had... a straw in your drink? <laughs> you and I convenience. Had, you and I had Be been damned. talking about it. Uh, so I was I was very eager to see the lineup, and I thought originally I thought that was me, kind of where I left it. Like I'll check the lineup and then I put my phone down. But obviously I kept checking it throughout the night. So I did see the starting lineup, and I saw that Franco was out and not in the eighteen, um, and I was sad inside. But um, let's get into the game because we we've we've been we've been spinning our wheels here a bit. Okay, kickoff right away. I, I mean I it was within the first couple minutes we saw Ray, Nico, and Anu connect on a couple one two three passes that got us in on goal and that really ended up being the trend really for the game was nico ray unu and finley or well not finley lude playing a really well together and and really having some quick passes and, and giving goes and and touching and, and dummy runs and things like that and it was really encouraging to see did you notice that when you're watching it live Nice shout out, by the way, TM, to the pod. TM. Yeah, TM. Yeah, no, I mean, 100%, right, 
100%. There it is. We are Dang at 36 it. minutes. I told Alex I wasn't going to say 100%. <laughs> I'm ripping my shirt right now. I am just punching air. <sighs> Alex? Yes, I did see Nico Hansen making some very nice runs. I wholeheartedly agree with your observation. I did see that happen. Um, you know, you have to acknowledge the chemistry that's been built. We removed Kevin Molino, unfortunately. Or not removed, he, he removed himself. He could have stayed. We would have liked him to stay. But Kevin Molino left. Reynoso and Lude have that leftover chemistry, and you really can tell throughout the game. I thought over and over you would see them doing certain give-and-goes, doing certain movements together, where wherever, you know, Reynoso would go, Robin Lude would fill in onto, you know, a central side or go wing side. Um, really loved seeing that. I thought Nico Hansen did a very good job of just bringing the speed and aggression. Um, and I thought overall, here's the, the big question, Alex, is upon watching the game, what is your opinion of Adrian Unu? Hmm. Interesting. From this game. Yep. So it, I actually had this written down much lower in my notes, but I let's just jump into it now. And I had we just I, it, we recorded this on Monday night. I just got back from bocce ball up at Forgotten Star. Shout out to Will from Forgotten Star. Uh, and I was with and yes, Alex is sweating <laughs> profusely, bro. Bocce ball isn't easy. Uh, I was talking to much my so- my soccer buddies, and I was saying. Listen. Your bocce bitches? <laughs> no. I was saying, listen. I'm not... No one can deny what Adrian Anu has has offered in the buildup, right? He comes back. I mean, I tweeted that, that video of, of first off, Metinair had that beautiful touch. Then he had that beautiful touch. And then he passed it through. When you rewatch this game, you can see a lot of give and goes between him and, and you know, whether it's Lude or whether it's Ray or whether it was, you know, whoever else is in there. He's offering a lot in the buildup. And I think that that is going underappreciated. And I think that when you look at the score sheet, he's not showing up on it as much because of how much he's offering. Or on, on the radio broadcast last week, Boxy mentioned um, sacrificial runs, where he is, he is just making a run that's pulling defenders away or at least having to keep them you know, being honest. And that's opening up space for other people. And that stuff isn't showing up in the score sheet. And I think that we all need to do a better job of being like, you know, uh, appreciating that. But I'm wondering, and I haven't even fully formed this idea yet. So this is more just me thinking out loud. And maybe it's more, maybe it's also a question to you. Do we need him to do less of helping us in the buildup and more at just staying at home at a true number nine? Because as much as he's helped us in the builder-up, there have also been moments where a cross comes in and, he, and no one's there because he's still at the 18, coming back from doing a lot of a lot of work defensively, which was great. Again, that's where I'm like I'm struggling to be like, should he just stay at home more and like should we sacrifice what he can offer us in the build-up to just have him in the right place at the right time, or is that more what we need from him because we've got kind of uncommon wingers in Lude and Franco or even Lude and and you know Nico who can be more of a striker. And if he's helping us around the 18 or even, I mean, like he did in this match 
and that that tweet uh, I sent where he he passed it into Ray about like 35 yards out and he made a great play so like I'm really torn and I think I'm something I'm gonna be watching a lot more going forward is is that helpful or obviously it's helpful but is it helpful enough to make up for him not always being inside the six when we need him to be if you look at the passing heat map that you can find on Major League Soccer, or it's MajorLeagueSoccerSoccer.com, MLSSoccer.com. Um, our number one most forward player is Ray. So behind Ray is Lude, and then behind Lude is Adrian Unu. To your point, I think that our best offense is a combination of all of these parts, which is a rotating foursome of Ray, Franco, Unu, and Lude, all of which can build, combine, and get forward. I I think that takes time to build the understanding of who goes where when, but I think to your question that you kind of asked me, I want to see Unu be part of the buildup, but I also want to see him be the end target because one of the biggest things we need from Ray, or excuse me, Adrian, is that he is incredibly accurate on his shots and he hasn't had a lot of opportunities to get shots onto the goal. When he does, he normally, you know, I know he had a whiff against uh, Seattle, but other than that, he tends to be very accurate with his shots on goal, especially in League Un. But also here in Major League Soccer, he's pretty accurate. So I would love to see a mix of both. I want to see him be both part of the buildup and the end ball receiver and shooter. Well, so you want your cake and you want to eat it too. Like there's no sayings around how that's not possible. But I, I would. What else would I do with my cake yeah. besides eat it? <laughs> but to your point, in the 60th minute, there's a point, and we're jumping ahead a bit, and I do want to go back because we are going to walk through this step by step. But in the 60th minute, there is a point where he comes blistering, and he is, again, he starts out almost at like the 25, you know, 25 yards out, and he comes cutting through at a, at a, a great pace and is making a front post run, and Ray misses it, and he shoots it to the back post. He crosses it to the back post where there's no one there. So he is doing a bit of that, and to your point, as we all work to get, not we, as much as you and I think we're out there, we're not, actually, which we should clarify for the listeners, uh, as our players get better... No, man, we're out there in the trenches. As our players get more familiar with each other, that stuff will start missing. And maybe if, you know, if Unu does make that front post run and scores within the six on a header, maybe I don't feel as much like, man, I wish he, maybe I wish he wasn't so far back, you know? All those little things, you know, Keith says goals change games. Goals also kind of change our perceptions of games. Um, you know, Hoppy is a great ex- example on the, at the men's national team level. At this last, you know, if you're watching on Sunday night, he scored a goal in the 80-something minute, and everyone's, you know, rightfully so, saying Hoppy had a pretty good game. But really, if you're watching it, you know he was pretty dismal up to that point, and there's a lot of things he is working on, or at least the formation he is working on around him. But because you score in the winner, you know, those things aren't as evident. Um, moving on. Two minutes and 34 seconds. Do you know what that is? No. What is okay. it? That is Ray's first foul that led to a, a free kick in the match. So again, within the first five minutes, I mean, within the first three minutes, Portland is already putting Ray on his back. How did you feel that the ref did of monitoring that this game? 
awful, terrible, absolutely garbage. And I, I probably drove Hannah crazy at the game saying, I'm not even saying this is a Loons fan. I kept saying that. And I kept saying, but this is a, that's a, it's a bad call. It's a, objectively a bad call. The, the tweet I had during the game was unsurprised to find out that the head ref is Fred Armisen. That's a Portlandia joke for those of you who like Portlandia, which great oh, show. Oh, right? I was wondering what that was. I never, I never realized yeah. what you were talking about. Fred Armisen yep. is an actor yep. in the show Portlandia yep. and the Portland Timbers. Yep. Are from Portland as well. Got it. There we go. There we go. The joke being that the head ref is that was a stretch from Portland. Yeah, there's. It wasn't. It was good. That was very good. If you got it, most people did. Yeah. So no, it's uh, a good joke if you got it. That's not how jokes work, bro. No, it's just you're not sophisticated enough to understand. Yeah, wrap your head around it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, you said it, not me. I, I think the ref did a really poor job. I, I thought there were a... I got to pause for a second, Alex, because I'm trying to be very objective, not subjective, and, and be, like, not a Loons fan. But there were so many calls where I was like, that's a card. Like, mm-hmm. I, I probably have to rewatch it, so I'm interested to hear your opinion. But there were a lot of moments where I was shocked to find out that certain things were not fouls not even just cards but just weren't fouls like tackles from behind there wasn't anything as egregious as the robin lude horse collar you know from behind throat yank that was still you know bs from the seattle game but on your rewatching, how did you feel the head ref did yeah, so it was interesting because I had seen your tweet about being mad about the ref, and I'd seen a few other ones. So when I went to rewatch The one it, you didn't understand? Well, I just I never connected the Fred Armist thing, which is weird because I'm a big Fred Armist fan. I just never connected that to being not just actually the ref. Um, I just yeah. thought that was the ref's name, and I was like, oh, well, maybe because I'll be with this dude. Um, so anyway, Yeah, Fred Armisen yeah. sucks. <laughs> he is a national Yeah, PRO, player. come on, cut you him. You have not watch documentary now i need you to stop listening to this podcast go watch the first whatever it is three seasons and then come back to this podcast welcome back to the podcast i hope you enjoyed the first three seasons of documentary now As and then saying, stop this podcast again go watch portlandia, <laughs> portlandia then too. come back yeah Welcome back after watching Documentary Now in Portlandia. It's now sometime in August or September. It's August now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are crushing it. Yeah. No, but I, so I watched this game kind of with that in the back of my mind. Like, okay, when is he going to start making mistakes? And I think I always try and give refs the benefit of the doubt. If, if you never rest, refed a game before, it's like working in the service industry. Like, working in the service industry should be part of your high school GED, like, requirement like before you graduate high school you have to go to your local restaurant and you have to work for six months i don't care what you do you have to be there because it's going to change your whole perception on how important you think you are when you go to a restaurant i think the same is true with 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 refereeing when i was in high school soccer we had to ref a, a just a u12 tournament or whatever and even the u12 tournament was crazy trying to ref it was absurd 
And ever since then, it's changed my perception. So I always try and give refs the benefit of the doubt. And when I was watching this, I kind of was like, all right, that was fair. And then, you know, a couple, 10, 15 minutes later, like, okay, like, oh, all right, we're, we're still doing okay. 45, 35 minutes later, okay, now, like, as the game went on, I kind of caught myself being, like, more and more, like, this is starting to kind of come off the rails a bit, where he started out pretty consistent, and then it kind of got more and more, or, or less and less consistent, rather, and by the end, it, it, it felt pretty egregious. Um, I actually thought the calls on Ray this match were okay, though. Actually, I would agree with that. I think the calls on Ray were fine. I think it was, like, everything else was the crazy part um and and i'll be honest i can't remember the calls off the top of my head but i do recall being like most of the ones where i was like okay that's a foul on ray was actually called a foul on ray and we got some free kicks out of it um but there was just other stuff where it was like tackles on dotson and trap and and hansen where you're like oh, come on now like that's lewd had a bunch against him that were very soft yeah. i thought and you could see on his face if you haven't rewatched it yet you should go check it out he was i mean it, it was just i mean and lou's not one to complain like if he gets a foul he's just like yeah that was me you know whatever move on and this match he, he doesn't a, he make had... a lot of facial expressions <laughs> he's a he's a pretty mellow dude yeah he's pretty mellow he's those kind of fins are very stoic yep, yep. stoic yeah. that's the word yep but there was a couple of games this, it's this match where he was just looking at the ref like, no, what? What are you talking about? That was not at all that. So uh, a little... Again, this is from the dude who got horse collared to the ground last game. Yeah, right. So like, he's got a pretty high tolerance for poor calls. Yeah. Speaking of refs, real quick, if I can do a sidebar, you see Ted Uncle got just trucked over in the, uh, I forget what match it was. It was right away, though. He, he was looking the way he got flattened. He got to get taken off the field. No, well, he he didn't get taken off the field. He got they substituted a new guy in. But is he okay? I think he's fine. He got a little knocked up. He got a stitch on his head, but I think he's fine. <laughs> so expendable. It's fine. It's a person. Nah, he's, he's got a stitch. Yeah, whatever. His head split open, but he's good. Once again, refs aren't people. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I feel Ooh. we need to talk about Coleman. In the ninth, uh, nine, 19 minutes and 50 seconds, especially, he had a really good one-on-one where he slowed, uh, you know, he, he slowed the, the uh, uh, what was a quick odd man rush down. Um, and I believe that Romain was able to get back in, 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 in Coleman kind of, I don't think Coleman actually ever made a play, um, but he was able to slow things down enough that, that Romain was able to get back. And, and throughout the match, he had another game where I don't think I saw any huge errors from him. Which is great to see. Obviously, we want all of our players to do well. Um, but I don't think it really does much. I mean, Boxall sounds like he's coming back shortly, and, and that'll be that, right? Yeah, I think big observation is that you either need to pair Debassi and Boxall or Kalman and Debassi. But Boxall and Kalman is not a great mix. I think mostly because... You have, um, typically, Debassi has the athleticism and the mental awareness defensively to be in the right space if Coleman misses a tackle or whatever. You know, our, obviously our best center back lineup is Boxall and Debassi. I would say Opara, but it's been two seasons. Yeah, that's so over. It, yeah, it's over. Um, but then if you're going to have Boxall on, I don't think Boxall 
and not you know no insulting Michael, but like if you're gonna have Boxall on, he's not quick enough to really catch up to some of Coleman's mistakes. Mm. But I gotta give him credit. Coleman has played really well. I, I think he's played very solidly and hasn't made a lot of really glaring errors. So, so that's it. so you're saying you would prefer Coleman and Debassi over. Boxall and Deba- uh, Coleman. Boxall and Coleman. Yes. Interesting. Yep. If I, I depict between Boxall, Coleman, or Coleman, Debassi, I would pick Coleman, Debassi. Hmm. I had to work that through in my head. But yes, I think that that is my center back pairing of choice. Zero offense to Boxall, but I think Debassi does so much cleanup work. He's just there. He's super, super aware. He had a couple of those weird errors, you know, uh, what is it, two, three games ago mm-hmm. where he had that weird back pass thing. But, like, that's not the norm. Yeah. That's the weird Well, and to be clear, that's that... not your center back pairing of choice. The center back pairing of choice is obviously no. Boxall and Debassi. But if you can't have both... Well, it's, it's technically Ramos and Harry Maguire. Oh, but, you know. dude, don't give me that... <laughs> Sorry, 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 sorry. But if you can't have both, you're saying that there's a better, there's a more of an advantage of having Coleman and Debassi because Coleman is always going to be the weak point, and Debassi does a better job of cleaning up Coleman's mistakes than Boxall does, just because he's faster, basically. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Okay, that's interesting. I, I haven't thought about that before, but I can't say I disagree. Um, I haven't formulated an opinion on that yet. Um, but either way, it's, it's Coleman did a lot of absolutely not an insult against Michael Boxall yep. because I love that man. He is a great dude. He's a great center back. I just think if you have to have Coleman, if you have to have Coleman as a center back, I'd rather it be Debassi than Boxall. Yeah. And realistically, I mean, in his last three matches, we can't argue that he's been a very good backup. A very good he backup. Has. And whatever we he feel has. about whatever we feel about the youngsters and how we want them out there, we can't we can no longer deny that Coleman has been a very good backup and has played some of his best soccer I think I can remember. Um I remember there was a time a couple years ago where he was asked to step in for for another prolonged period of time. Um it was probably around when Ike got hurt. When he, he there was a moment there where he played a couple of really good matches. Um again, I said it last week and I think I think I'm gonna say it again. It this always kind of repeats itself where we think like, oh, he's playing really well, and then he has a couple games where, or a game where it's just really rough. So I, I'm still not like, well, maybe he should be the starter, but I'm really happy that he's been playing well. I always I don't think either of us are on the Coleman for starter no, boat. No, I don't think anyone is. No. But I have been really impressed with his play. He's proven me wrong, and I will definitely admit that. Um, all right. At some point, we got to talk about just the mass of opportunities that Robin Lude had. I mean, do we just talk about them all as a conglomerate? The first one was in the 24th minute. That was a really good chance off a corner where he puts it anywhere else and it goes in, but he just happened to kick it into what was like a falling over goalkeeper. Um, But overall, he had so many chances. Um, There are permanent dents in the ad boards because of Robin Lude. Like, he put so many shots one foot off target, and, and they were like good power low driven shots where you're like if he puts it 12 and a half inches to the right or left you know it that's a goal 
And how do you see those? Because there's two ways to look at it, right? The one way is like, oh my gosh, like this team, we got to do this, we got to do that. We're not finishing our chances. How We're never going to win like this, yada, yada, yada. And another way to look at it is, hey, listen, I'll take having to fix a shot going an inch wide over not creating any chances any day. So where are you? Is, is, is the created chances and you look at we're like second in the league behind only New York Revolution in terms of shots created or shots but we're like last in the league in terms of shots on goal or goals. I can't remember which one it is. I probably should have done my research a little better. Does that oh, inc- I got the research for you, Does that baby. encourage you or does that leave you feeling frustrated that we're not capitalizing better? We are eighth in the entire league for shots and we are uh, bottom four in the league for shots on goal. Um, or shots on goal percentage, excuse me. So... Of those shots, were very low percentage-wise. I will absolutely take the volume of shots because if you look at that shot map, I mean, they're all pretty good positions to be taking shots. They're not, you know, there's a couple of dots and banger attempts and there's a couple outside the, you know, box. There's a couple of long-range hits. But realistically, most of those shots are, like, not bad ones and you will see us regress to the mean. So I saw, um, you know, that spread. I saw the numbers from the game, and immediately I thought, look, if you go back to 2020 and you apply our shots on target percentage and then shots on target per goal, I mean, I, you got to assume with the quality we have on this team, they're going to start falling. It is unfortunate they haven't yet, but I still have reason to believe statistically that we'll start putting some of those in. Yeah. That's how yeah, I feel. Same. I mean, if you ask me, like, if you're trying to fix not having, like, any offensive threat and having a great offensive threat that you just tend to miss the shot at the end by a few inches, um, obviously one seems a lot easier to fix than the other. And also, I kind of would rather a miss versus just a shot at the goalie. Like, if you shoot at the goalie in this league, you're basically never going to score. Maybe every every now and then you get, like, a... But I'd much rather you'd be trying to aim for the corners and going wide versus just like every shot is just is just down the middle. Um, that was twenty four. I would agree with that a hundred percent. because that's agreed. One hundred percent. Damn. One hundred percent. That's the second one. We are at a, an hour right it's now. Number two, Alex. I concur with you wholeheartedly <laughs> that if you are missing bottom left, bottom right, top left, yep. top right. You're at least attempting to place it away from the goalie, right. like you're saying. Uh, you're not shooting it directly at him. I don't agree with you 100%, but it is like 99% right. that exactly. I agree with you. Yeah. That was the 24th minute. Again, 28th minute, we had another great chance that came off of uh, on a new buildup, um, you know, where, where I think, again, we're saying like he's he's been such a huge part of, of what leads up to the goal but doesn't always um, you know show up on the, sh- on the score sheet. But something I want to talk to you about, which is the perfect time to do it. Like, this is you and I talking right now, so I'm going to bring it up. Nico Hansen, around the 18, kind of seems to maybe run out of ideas or maybe take a little too long. There was two or three chances in this game where I felt like the, the attack was happening, and instead of, instead of making the pass, he chose to take the dribble, which I'm actually all for. I think we could do more of that as a team. But then he kind of got in where there was about three players around him, and it was obvious, you know, the clock had run out, and he was still kind of dancing around with it. Have you have you noticed that? I have. I have. I agree with you in the sense that... Not 100%, though. <laughs> I agree with you partially. 
Uh, I agree with you in the sense that, like, I do like the killer instinct. At some point, you kind of... There were moments in this game and previous games this year where um, we've kind of just passed it around because nobody wants to be the one who loses the ball. We want to, like, find the right shot, and I respect that. But sometimes you just got to rip it and see what happens. Uh, Nico Hansen does tend to lose a little bit of, you know, if he doesn't have an easy pass or a clear option, he kind of runs out of ideas. You know, Robin Lute is very good at taking people on one-on-one, um, but that doesn't always happen because, you, you know, whatever. What I would say is, again, what is going to define this team, especially once we get closer towards uh, MLS Cup playoffs, is do we have all of our front four, Franco, and also Nico, I'll, I'll include him as well because he is an important part of our substitute lineup and Ethan Finley as well but our front four and then the two subs do they know where they need to be who they need to be passing to and where they need to be looking for their ideal shots and once they understand that that's where we're going to see a ton of goals being tossed in the net agreed 100 percent. shut up <laughs> don't agree yeah with that. no I it's it is true though yeah I mean there, we're right there, and I, I, that's obviously a much easier thing to fix. Um, you know, just looking down my notes here, I'm realizing I had I had kind of an overall trap uh, statistic that I really should have mentioned earlier, but this is just where it is. Uh, what do you think trap's success rate is on passes? Eighty-seven percent. Ooh! Oh, what the hell? You knew that? No, I actually did. Am I right? It's eighty-seven percent. <laughs> Agreed 100%, Agreed, baby. Agreed 100%. Will Trap is 87 Stop it. Did I get that right? Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what, <laughs> that's what Callum said on the broadcast. Uh, 87% success with his, with his passes. And I think that's what you really look at when we talked about earlier. Like, the way that he kind of starts a, a break and, and beats one player and maybe, you know, looks for the second pass instead of the, just what's right in front of him. I mean, that it, it's the way that that sparks our offense, I think, is, is just severely underrated credit to alex for saying all of that without acknowledging the fact that i've been whipping my hands around wildly because i i guessed that number correctly i've been insufferable for the last like 10 seconds that was very impressive very yeah. impressive well done um yeah no I, he he's been a big part of it he's been a big part and his progressive passes have been well uh, i don't know the statistic on the progressive ones but is it progressive passes that that percentage was, or was it just passes overall? Uh, I mean, he, he mentioned it kind of in passing. He just, oh, in okay. passing. Uh, he just said oh. uh, 87% success rate for his passes. Uh, so I'm assuming that's all passes. Yeah. But if you also count progressive passes, because I know I looked at that a couple weeks ago, um, he gets the ball forward, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a big part of it, is it's not just, people were kind of trashing on him. Like, he gets stray shots on Twitter a lot. People will just be like dissing MLS players because of, you know, the United States men's national team. And they'll be like, yeah, and Will Trapp sucks. And it's like, wait, hold up. What? What are you talking about? Like, he doesn't. He doesn't suck. Like, that's not even close to true. But anyways, people were saying, like, he doesn't make any forward passes. And that's just not accurate at all. Yeah. Uh, One final thing I want to say in the first half, just if you're rewatching it, um, the 43-minute mark. Robin Lude loses the ball in the right corner, um, and he just just hustles, just a straight hustle play 
to win it back, and I think we end up getting a cross off of it. Um, if you're rewatching the match, check that out. Um, either way, we go into halftime nil-nil at that point. Uh, no, sorry, one-nil at that point. Uh, but really, PTFC or Portland had only had one shot on goal, and that was the one that went in. Um, again, watch. Looking at the stats on my phone, I felt very discouraged. Rewatching the match, I think everyone in the stadium, everyone on the broadcast knew like Minnesota was in control, which isn't necessarily a given. There's been a lot of games where we're in control the whole time, and we get to the end, and we still lose. At halftime, how are you feeling? At halftime, we very much felt like this was our game to win. I was riding high because of, you know, those beautiful blue mountains. Well, yeah, but the also because but cool also, light didn't definitely didn't help. <laughs> hey, baby, those silver bullets go down easy <laughs> when you're ready for the game. All I'm saying is we were very confident just from the game we were watching, not just the beverages we were in, indulging in, but from the game we were watching, absolutely, this was a game that we felt eventually they were going to at least tie like pre chase Gasper goal. You just felt like we've had so many chances, mm-hmm. you know, you, they have those right by the wonder wall. There's the, um, stats where it's yep. like possession and shots yep. and whatnot. And we were like, there's no way we're not going to score. We just keep getting so close and yeah, sure is sure enough. Second half. So how did you feel 10 minutes into the second half? Because Portland came out, swinging in the second half. And I don't know, maybe it wasn't as evident at being there in person, or if you haven't watched again, the the first 10 minutes of the second half was all Portland. And I I mean, even watching it back, knowing that we won, I still found myself like, oh my gosh, okay, we're going we're gonna to give it up here for sure. Did you notice that in person? It was nervy, but I think I just always generally have respect for Portland, period. They're just a good team. And, and so I just assume that they're going to, throw some punches too i you know geo savarese is a, is a good coach and they have a solid team and you know i i kept expecting them to do something so kind of when they came out of the the half you know swinging heavy it wasn't a surprise but it didn't last super long no it didn't and after that it was back to kind of the same way we ended the first half where we're just completely in control and we're moving the ball well and there's just chance after chance after chance um and, you know, but nothing, again, nothing really comes of it, which, like we talked about when we were wrapping up the first half, you could see that as a good thing, you could see that as a bad thing. Um, around the 60th minute, and you haven't watched it back yet, so you might have not noticed this, but if anyone's watched it back... Or, I notice everything. Okay, if, and if you watch it back, around the 60th minute, it might have been earlier than that, it kind of looked to me like Unu started playing out on the left with Robin Lude up top. Did you notice that? Yeah, they definitely started doing more switching. Um, And I don't know if that was an Adrian Heath coaching comment that they should start switching or what it was, but definitely I noticed a big difference in that. Um, You know, you saw Lude. I didn't notice Unu left as much as I noticed Robin central was the big thing that, like, jumped out to me. Because the second he starts floating centrally... I mean, as a Robin Lude stan, I get pumped because, you know, he right now is our most informed striker. Yeah. Uh, no well, offense to Andre Nunu. But- well, and that's about the time that Nico Hansen came off. So Ethan Finley goes in for Nico, and we see Robin Lude jump up top, and Nico and, and Andre Nunu start playing out 
out wide a bit more. Um, and it is become this really weird thing where, you know, and maybe it is like how I talked about, maybe Robin Lou does a better job of, of staying up top a little bit more almost and not getting caught so far back. I really haven't formulated my opinion on this yet, but it definitely think, was evident. If you haven't watched it yet, go back again and around the 57th minute when we, when we make that sub, look at what, look at what uh, Unu's and, and Lou's position changes to. For sure. I, I think, so I tweeted this earlier, but it's important to know Robin Lude went his first 600 plus minutes of major league soccer play, you know, back in the 2019 season without scoring a single goal. All right. Adrian Anu is in 559 minutes of major league soccer play, and he's already got two goals. The reason I bring that up is because sometimes I think getting integrated into major league soccer takes a little bit of time getting that chemistry with your teammates, especially as a striker, as a goal scorer, knowing where your playmakers, your other teammates want you to go. And so Unu's not there yet. I am very confident he will get there. But right now at this specific time, if we need a goal, we are late in the game. We're one-to-one. You know, Chase Gasper scores some weird miracle goal <laughs> that I don't even think he knew he scored nope. at first. But, like, credit to him. Credit to him because, yeah. you know, he got there, got up there, got the goal, whatever. We're one-to-one. If you need a goal, you got to put Robin Lude in that central position because he will find the space that he already knows the other players are going to look for him, especially Ethan Finley already mm-hmm. has that, you know, rapport with him. Uh, Emmanuel Reynoso already has that rapport with him. Metnir already has that rapport with him. Chase Gasper. Yeah. All of those players already know where he wants to run to the the dummies he wants to fake far post near post etc yeah and i mean since we're talking about it, i thought ethan finley had one of his best games i can remember i mean not yeah. only i mean first off i love ethan finley in the 60th minute sub role just because his speed and his relentlessness i think is just a handful when you're when you're facing tired legs uh but especially if you're going from a nico hansen to an ethan finley if you're that you know whether it's the left back or the right back where they're they're putting these players like that's an exhausting substitute you go from nico hansen you're chasing down just finally wore nico to now it's ethan finley that sucks that's a lot and that's great for us yeah right and i mean not only just his speed but he had a couple really really nice um uh kind of just beating people he had one where he touched it around the defender and then kind of ran around him and got him and he had one where he yeah a lot more ball um, control and and kind of, you know, the more like Emmanuel Nelson style beating people than just the straight speed than I, than I think I, I usually expect out of Finley. So one of the better matches for Finley that I've seen in a long time, I thought. And I think, again, it's because we used him in, in the position that uh, that he's the most best in. I want to get to the to the Chase Gasper goal, obviously. We're, we're in the, you know, we're in, in, in the later stage of the game here. But before I do, I want to talk about our set pieces because... The goal came off a set piece, eventually, but up until that point, and even really on this one, we had been just terrible on set pieces against a team who was bad on set pieces. So hopefully this week and leading up to it, we're practicing those set pieces. Um, again, live, Did you, had you were you tracking that? Did you notice that? Do you have thoughts on, on where we're at with set pieces? No, I guess I hadn't noticed it um live necessarily and and honestly even you just bringing that up right now it it didn't spring to my mind truthfully you are the better soccer mind of the two of us so i will acknowledge that 
Um, I think it's a good thing that we're not relying on set pieces nearly as much. I think just going by the eye test, you kind of assume that we're a better open play team than we have been in previous years. So uh, I don't know if the numbers back that up. I'm not going to check them right now. I'll check them later and then correct myself in the next pod. But uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't know that we weren't doing very well with them. But I'm okay with it, you know. I like the Reynoso shots on goal, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. How do you feel about it? Yeah, and I mean, I guess I would even say we're like we're bad at them in terms of like everyone is just like what the hell is that? But we, I mean, we had I think we had ten corners this game, or like the the numbers of corners we had alone was wild, and then we had a, a couple more free kicks that we didn't really do anything with. Um, a lot of Rays, like I said last week, a lot of Rays corners seem to be going too, um, you know, too close to the keeper where he's catching them, um, or or they just go clean out the back. Um, definitely not not super excited about um, about the way that we've been performing on those, and, and hopefully it's something we can kind of keep working on because, especially with someone like Ray, you know, you're going to get so many of them, right? Like whether they're free kicks kind of around the 18 or, or whatever they are. You're going to get so many, and we need to be doing better than we are. Um, and, and I think that you know, bringing back people like Boxy, who is obviously a strong presence on those set pieces, is going to help. Uh, but yeah, if you, again, if you're someone who goes back and watches it, just, just keep in mind how many chances we had and, and how we did very little with them. But we did do well on one. Well, actually, we did well on two. The, the second corner kick immediately after Chase's goal, I think it actually bounced off the pole. It was a direct kick from Ray that almost went in out the corner. But before that, we get the corner. Uh, nothing happens off the direct corner. Chase, uh, Hazani Dotson puts in what might be the worst cross of Minnesota United history. It goes like 300 feet up in the air and just comes down like a missile. Uh, but Chase Gasper, of all people, gets his head on it. He'd actually had a pretty good, a better chance in the first half. But this one, for some reason, he gets his head on it. It bounces off just right into the corner, and we're tied 1-1. We call that the Dotson drone strike. All right, that thing was geolocated. You call it a bad cross, I call it a GPS-located cross. All right, that thing went up into the air, up into orbit. It rotated around the entire Earth, came straight down where Chase needed it to go. It's beautiful. I thought it was perfect. It was perfect, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that was, uh, it had something on it. Because, yeah, Chase Gasper, who is not necessarily a tall person, or I would does not jump very high as far as I can tell. Uh, I mean, he's... Technically listed as six foot, and as a five ten male myself, uh, that's pretty tall. Okay, that's very tall. It's above average, six, right? <laughs> six foot is very tall, everybody. So we get the one in, and it just—I mean, leading up to it, it already felt like we were somehow going to win this game just because of how many chances we had. And then, especially after that one went in, it just felt like it was a matter of time. Not only from the team—I mean, after that, the team just flooded them. And there was just a you know a, just a array of chances that that led after that game or after that goal. Well, and one of the coolest things was after the chase goal. I mean, already in the second half, Han and I talked about how like we don't know if everyone got like you know Captain Morgan shots at halftime or whatever. But second half, everyone was so loud. Yeah. So like, if you were at Allianz, credit to you because. It was so fun to watch live in the stadium. It was, it was our first game back since, you know, COVID. The last game Han and I went to, we were looking at the um, old SeatGeek tickets, was the LA Galaxy playoff loss. Oof. 
That was the last game. Rough. So uh, I remember heckling Zlatan Ibrahimovic, which mm-hmm. was a lot of fun. Um, well, that was, I mean, that, that was really the last one that we played before the pandemic. And then really? we had yeah. a few this year. But other than that, you didn't miss much. I didn't miss a ton. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, but yeah, and I think. But anyways, I I think a lot of it's the heat. Honestly, it's it's very hot in there, and a lot of times at halftime, everyone goes gets a you know takes a break, and that can kind of revive them. But yeah, you're not the only one to notice that. I mean, the announcers. I mean, everyone kind of commented on like the second half. It felt like the stadium just kind of willed them into winning this game. Like I I don't want to exaggerate it, but legitimately, you could tell from the energy in the crowd like something was going to happen. It's either going to be like a fist fight. Or we were going to score a goal. Mm-hmm. So you could feel that like push happening. It was super, super cool to see in person. Yeah. But before the goal, we also saw Adrian Anu go off for Juan Agudelo, who we haven't seen since, I don't know, like early, early season, right? Uh, surprising to you? Did you have thoughts on his performance? It was not the choice I would have made at the time. What was your choice at the time? After- at the time, I would have probably put Justin McMaster in. Because Abila wasn't on the roster. And rumors no. have it, he may be going back to Boca. I mean, that's yeah. still pretty unsubstantiated. But again, it's from people who are right more than they're wrong. And so he may be going back to Boca. And that may be because, yeah. I mean, not only because of the, the, the gut punch that he had in Colorado, but you and I have talked about how it kind of seems like he's just checked out most of the time. So maybe he's, I mean, he's on his He's on his enough. USA... Uh, road 66 world tour he's taking photos at every you know gas station stop and everything no uh juan agodello was somebody who we've talked about in the past where i said i don't want to ever assume someone's motivation levels but he didn't seem really engaged in the team necessarily in the in the appearances we've seen out of him and so when he came on i immediately said to Hannah, I was like, oh boy, like, here we go. It kind of feels like, you know, something that's not very inspiring. Yeah. And honestly, he, he had his best game as a loon, in my opinion. He was much more effective. And the runs he made were the runs that you would expect out of, if you guys remember, like in years past, Juan Aguadello was supposed to be the hot U.S. men's national team striker. Mm -hmm. And then he kind of disappeared. And so to see him make those runs, you're like, oh my gosh, like this is the dude we kind of all thought he was going to be. Uh, and, and you know, other people have pointed it out. The run he made on the Robin Lude goal opened the space up for Robin to score. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've been, I was very impressed with his footwork. Again, I said I was, at the, I was at the wedding checking my phone. And when I saw we were, you know, we were 1-0 down and we had already taken out Nico Hansen and, you know, Adriana New, I kind of felt like, well... I don't really see this one turning around for us. Um, but, you know, I, I'm so happy to be proven wrong. You know, Chase Gasper gets the goal in the 74th minute. Um, we we just flood them with, with pressure after that. You know, Juan Agudelo is playing very well. His footwork has really impressed me. Um, and then in the 85th minute, we see the best, I mean, I think probably the best pass we've ever seen from, from Reynoso or definitely from any probably, probably any Minnesota United player. That lets Robin through right through, and he he closes finally after how many shots he puts one away, and we're two we're two one up in the 85th minute. I mean, un, uh, unreal scenes, I'm sure at Allianz. Looking back at the at the rewatch and at the replays, it 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 was cool to see how something I really appreciate about Minnesota fans is how smart they are in actual soccer. They're not just like waiting for a goal to happen. 
the minute that that Reynoso put that through, the minute that the ball left Reynoso's foot on that through ball, there were already people standing up who could see the play happening. And Robin Lude's finish was perfect, and we're 2-1 we're up in the 85th minute, and it's, you know, mayhem at Allianz, right? In person, I don't remember exactly what I was doing. I know I was looking down for a second, and I heard a roar and looked up right as Robin trapped the ball. So I missed the initial kick until I watched the, the highlight replay. But when he trapped the ball is what I saw. So, like, everyone knew it was going to be something big. And to trap it on the run like that, under pressure, get that shot off, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Alex, I was right previously, and I would like to repeat that moment where I was right, where I mentioned that in the late stages of the game, Robin Lude is unsubbable. Alex, we have had our good friend of the pod, Stefan Wenk, at Stefan Wenk. He did a little bit of number crunching. We like to call it Stats by Stefan. Stats by Stefan. Stats by Stefan. We got to make a little song for it. Oh, yeah, for sure. But he said since 2019, Robin Lude has scored a higher percentage of his goals, 46.7%, at the 75th minute or later than any other Major League Soccer player with a minimum of 15 goals. Of Robin's 15 goals in a Minnesota United shirt, seven of them have been these quote-unquote late goals. So everybody else is lower than that point. Half, almost half, of Robin Lude's goals come in the 75th minute or later. I mean, that's a clutch dude. You, you, you can't take that man off late in the game. And I, I, and I wonder why. Is it him or is it other people? I mean, obviously it's I, him, it's but is it, is it that he's the last one still doing all the things right? Or is it that something just clicks in his own head that in the last minutes he's just more clutch than he was previously? I would say, and I'm going to totally make this not like a joke or a meme or whatever, yeah. right? Like it's, it's not a jokey answer. I think genuinely he's a player who has solid fundamentals. I think from 2019 where he had a bad year, he's fixed his shooting mechanics because he used to kind of get under the ball. So he skied it a lot. If you guys remember like the U.S. Open Cup against Atlanta, he had some bad shots originally and then finally finished one of them. Um, but I think he's fixed his shooting fundamentals. And I also think for a player who's not necessarily the fastest, he's one of those players you would count as crafty. He's very smart in his positioning. He knows where to be when somebody's crossing the ball or shooting the ball. He's at those little cleanup points. And so it's easy for people to say, oh, it's a garbage goal. This is a garbage goal. That's a garbage goal. You know, but he's at those points where the goalie gives up a rebound or the post gives up a rebound or somebody misses or crosses and he's right there. And so it's kind of one of those like work smarter, not harder sort of things. I don't know what the specifics of it is. There are smarter people who can analyze it, but I think he just puts himself in successful positions. What I think is that, yeah, he puts himself in successful positions, but he does it from the opening minute until the last whistle. And I think that that's, he's a, that's what gives him so much success late is that players stop at the first, whatever, 45, 60, 75 minutes but he's still making the exact same run he was making, or not the exact, you know, he's still playing the exact same he was playing in the fifth minute as he is in the 85th minute. 
And, that's and the, the second thing, the other team loses their mental focus. One second, you turn off. And when you have someone like Ray who can also see that play happen from so far away, I mean, yeah, yep. they they lost him for a second in the, whatever it was, 85th minute when the ball was near the halfway line. And next thing you know, he's in alone on goal, just tapping it in. Like, that's got to be so hard to play against. You just, you fight and you fight and you fight and you fight. And if you turn off for just one second, those two just alone are going to roast you and you're going to be left standing there with nothing, you know. He, he, he's five yards away by that point, you know. I love it. I love it. So that's the 85th minute. After that, we can walk away from this saying, oh, what a comeback. We did all this. We did all that. We had some very shaky defensive moments in the last, whatever it was, five-plus stoppage time, especially almost immediately after the goal where they had pretty much a free runner on the back post where Metonair complained about about Ibobasi blocking him and, and obstru- uh, obstructing him from being able to get back. But even if Ibobasi hadn't have done that, which I think he, he did, I don't think Metonair was getting there. And, and that guy was wide open on the back post. So we still see... At the start of at the at the end of halves, at the start of halves, and after goals, we're very very vulnerable, and that's been true since as as long as we've been in Major League Soccer, I think. For sure, I, I don't think you can rely on. You never want to rely on Major League Soccer refs to clean up your mistakes. Period. Like we've learned that over and over, and I'm not saying that just as a, just as like a Loons fan, but as any Major League Soccer team, whether you're a Union fan or a Crew fan. Or an Atlanta United fan, you can go kick rocks. We don't like you. But whoever you are, whoever you support, you can't depend on PRO referees. You just can't. So Metonier shouldn't have like leaned on that. I do agree he was obstructed a little bit. But we lose focus just one second, and it would have you know tied the game up. Thankfully, it didn't. Um, I didn't really notice it till watching some of the highlight stuff, and you know, I, I I'm glad we won. I'm I'm happy. It was for my birthday. I told them that. I shouted it down to the field. They heard it. So we played well. It's for Grant's birthday. You got him for Grant's birthday. Uh, a little shaky, but we get through it. And we get the three points at home. You had to get the three points at home, right? Had you just to had get to get the three points at home. We have a biz- which, which it was a Portland Timbers team who was right by us mm-hmm. in the standings in the Western Conference. Yep. So those three points were, and you hate to see these like cliche statements, but like it was a six-point game. Yep. You know, we had to get those so we didn't drop down below Portland Timbers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's always unfortunate when when things happen in a certain way and you don't jump up the table as much as you wanted to. Uh, But I think the flip side of that is you realize how much you would have dropped if you had not gotten those points. Uh, And we got a busy week ahead. So we're recording this Monday night. Wednesday, we're at LAFC. Saturday, we're at Vancouver. And then the following Saturday, we're back at home against Houston right yes agreed all i wanted to say because i know we're going to address those we want to keep this podcast short is that since we are a podcast that may mention the usl from time to time uh nabi kibanguchi currently on loan to sacramento fc scored a goal for sacramento and i think it was a game-winning goal was it not like in the dying moments I believe so. Yeah, which yeah, actually Cal Montgomery did the same recently for San Jose or San the Loyal, San Francisco Loyal, San Diego, San, San Diego, Diego Loyal. Loyal. Yeah, yeah. So we got some uh, goal scoring center backs here. All right, time to call okay. them up. 
All right. Let's go, baby. So we're, we've already gone longer than I think we said we're going to. And I think we're more of a podcast that focuses on the previous matches versus speculating on the future matches because that's all only ever going to be speculation. But first off, I want one question for you, and I'm going to keep your answer to one, one minute or less. First question. Okay. Do you go for three points at LAFC? Yes. I say screw it. We started on a 0-4 run. You got to go for the goal, especially when LAFC is a Western Conference contender. So, yes, go for the three points. If you lose or tie, it is what it is, but you got to try it. Are you going for the three points right off the bat, or are you going to see what happens at halftime and then decide? Now you're adding new questions. Do I still have another minute? Am I running out of time? Uh, yes, I say go for three points right off the bat. You try to get a goal early no matter what, period. Okay. I, I'm i really torn on this. Part of me says just go for it at this point. You can't not at least go for goals, go for wins on the on the road. Another part of me looks at you know Vancouver on the road. You know Vancouver, the, wor- the worst team in the league. And then Houston at home, LA Galaxy at home, San Jose away, which again, even away is still a winnable match. Sporting Kansas City at home. Like August is filled with very very important games and beating lafc on the road might be the least must win game of the bunch so maybe you don't go as hard for that um but knowing that they're right ahead of us in the table and where we're at you kind of have to go for it and and honestly i don't know how much different you play if you're not going for it than if you are going for it so i i think we roll it a, a good starting 11 um i think we see ozzy instead of trap this match just because I think what LAFC offers is more offensive threat versus defensive threat. So I think we put Ozzy out there and Dotson, and we try and hold them off from scoring, and we hope that eventually we get one in. Then we move on to Vancouver. All, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, all, all I'm going to say is that we are one point behind LAFC with, I believe, a game in hand. Yeah. So they have 15 games. We have 14 games. A tie is fine. I would love to see a win. Yep. That's what I would like to go for. Then we move to Vancouver. Vancouver is... This might actually be happening in Vancouver, it sounds like. Originally, it was kind of up in the air, and it sounds like we might have been in, in Real Salt Lake still. But lately, it sounds like we might actually be back in Vancouver. Um, Vancouver is definitely bottom of the table, but they, you know, they've been playing better lately. Um, with Canada... Oh, Canada did make it. So I, I think oh, that Canada. They, they will be still missing some of their... You know, yeah, they will still be missing some of their call-ups. Um, it's definitely a, it feels like a trap game to me. I, I'm 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 more worried about that one than I probably should be, just because it feels like a trap game. Yeah, I think it does have the makings of a trap game, but I think, in my opinion, the Loons are a team that at no point over the rest of the season should they like crown themselves. You know the supporter shield, supporter shield champions. They're just not. So, I agree with you. It's a trap game. Also, if you know the makings of a trap game are the fact that you're underestimating your opponents, we really shouldn't be. We just literally came from shout out Drake. We started from the bottom. Now we're here in sixth place. We've got to take every team seriously. We have to get as many points as we can here on out because that 0 and 4 run just brutalized us. 
Yeah. And then we have a week and we'll record a new episode there. So we're going to leave it there. We didn't get into it. We didn't ask listener questions. We didn't really get into fantasy or else we're on the league with such a quick turnaround. Are you still winning? Who cares? Yeah, I almost I came so close. I made a bad decision with 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 Jose or, or Josie Altador and I and I made a bad decision with that stupid Red Bulls player. Uh, otherwise, I would have had him. But uh, we're going to leave it there because, again, with- I feel like goodwill hunting. Alex, it's not your fault. <laughs> It's not your Don't, fault. Don't, man. Not you, man. It's not your Don't fault. Don't do this to me, man. <laughs> With a quick midweek game, we, we see listens drop off after a match, so we're going to leave it there and hopefully be able to get this thing up quickly. Um, all right. Two games in a week. They both are winnable. Portland Portland beat LAFC, so why can't we? I think we can. All right. I think we can, too. Until next week, stay positive. Keep rooting. Go Loon. Go Loon. Go Loon.